Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschooled.com. Today, I'm excited because I have with me Morgan Franklin. Uh, Morgan Franklin is a second year class of 2021 MBA student at Chicago Booth, but she's also the creator of MBA The Blog. And I'm excited to have Morgan here today with me. Um, she's going to talk a little bit about her journey to business school and booth, but then talk a little bit more about what she's working on with MBA The Blog. She's had a really great time building this thing that I want her to share more about, but she's also really gotten to know a lot of the incredible stories of her booth classmates. And I'm excited to dig in uh, to have her talk a little bit more about what she's been up to. So Morgan, first off, thank you for joining me today. And before we dig into MBA The Blog, tell me about your journey to business school, your journey to Booth. You know, what were you doing before business school and why did you even choose to get an MBA in the first place? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Al. I'm so happy to be here. You know, before Booth, I was working at Turner Sports in their advertising sales department. So selling everything from MBA on TNT to March Madness to PGA, Bleacher Report, all the cool stuff. And I got there... Um, from working with Coach Franklin at Vanderbilt and really learning the business of sports behind the scenes and feeling like, hey, if I could sell the dream from a terrible team and, you know, get people to come on board, then I could get them to, you know, I could get people to buy media. So um, was at Turner Sports, got to work with some really cool properties, but really wanted to be able to do more creative work, more challenging work. Um, and, you know, I, I like to push the buttons and we were going through an acquisition with AT&T. So it just wasn't the place to be. Um, and I had bought books to go back to school years ago, never opened them. And I went to go visit HBS and I was like, oh my God, this is a time. Like I've got to go back now. Um, so very quickly, I kind of kicked it into high gear and started applying to schools. That's great. Uh, and uh, I will say that sounds like a pretty cool uh, industry to work in uh, prior to business school. I mean, I'm a huge sports fan myself. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Ernie, Chuck, and the gang. Uh, so it's uh, that's a pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty fun group of group of group of guys. That's uh, that's a cool cool product to sell ad ads against. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, okay, so you uh, you are at a crossroads. Um, there's a lot going on in your old company. You go to HBS. You get that, and it makes a ton of sense. Uh, but you ended up at Booth. And so um, talk a little bit more about Booth. Um, you know, first off, you know, why Booth? And, you know, now that you've been there for over almost a year and a half now, you know, talk a little bit more about what your experience has been like so far. Absolutely. So when I was applying to schools, I really was in this shoot for the stars mentality. Shoot for the stars and see where you land. So I applied to 10 schools, applied to, you know, typical top five. Stanford, Wharton, Harvard, um, and Booth. And I knew I wasn't going to get an MIT. I don't have the quant smarts for that. And, um, and then I applied to six consortium schools and Booth was the only top five school that gave me an interview. So I came and it was surprisingly the place that I felt most at home at. 
um, was hanging out with all the uh, students, really just having a great time. And, and I could see myself there. It was the best of my five interviews because um, it was really a conversation. I feel like Booth had so many, you know, preconceived notions about what type of school and students we have, you know, we're just quant nerds and that's definitely not the case. I am so far from that. It's not even funny. So for me, I felt like I could really go to Booth, be myself, be celebrated for being myself um, and bring really that social side of me to campus. And I had never been to Chicago prior to applying and interviewing. So when I came, I was like, oh my God, this is actually an absolutely beautiful city and I could see myself living here. Um, so when, when the offer came, it was very easy to say yes. Yeah. So one of the things you said there, and I'd love for you, if you could maybe shed a little bit more light, you said the phrase, it, it felt like home. And I think that's really awesome. And I think it's what everyone should kind of strive for. Could you unpack that a little bit? You know, what, you know, what made it feel like home or what were some of the, the things for you, at least that made it feel like home? Because I think that's something everyone should strive for, but for you, what did, what did that look like? Yeah, so, you know, from college until now, I used to recruit for Vanderbilt and, you know, regular students and athletes. And I would always tell people, make a list of what's really important to you. And the school that checks off the most things on your list, that is the place that you're going to be the happiest at. And for me, um, it was quite a few things, you know, great city. That was, I wanted to be in a place where people had a community, right? So here at Booth, we all live on the same block, like 800 of 1200 students live at Michigan Lake, um, right in downtown Chicago. So that reminded me of Vanderbilt and knowing how important it is to have your peers literally next door on the same floor in the same building, um, which was really important to me. I love just how diverse the communities were as a black woman, I wanted to come in a place where I saw some people that looked like me, but really where I saw people that looked like they were from around the world in conversation, right? Not forced conversation, but actual friendships. And so for me, when I walked into Harper Center and I'm seeing everybody hanging out at an LPF, which is our Friday afternoon liquidity preference functions, which you know we unfortunately don't have right now, but I got to see literally everyone from all over the world, all shades, genders, you know, just backgrounds, hanging out, just truly hanging out. And to me, that just, it brought me so much joy because that's what I was looking for. And on top of that, you know, just the conversations that I had, I came in very bullish, like I am going to be an entrepreneur and I just want to be supported on that journey. And everyone that I talked to supported that idea and didn't question, well, why are you coming here if you want to be an entrepreneur? So that really helped to kind of bridge the gap for me. And, and I knew that I would be happy with the type of people that we had in school. That's great. And thank you for sharing a little bit more background around that. And something that you mentioned uh, that stuck out to me, and I think is a really great uh, aspect of going to business school, particularly full time, you know, just like you said, in undergrad, when everyone was physically in the same space, uh, that is one of the benefits of a full-time MBA program. I mean, obviously COVID notwithstanding, but um, generally speaking, in normal times, you all are spending a lot of time together each day. And I think it just very much an undergrad at how it can really facilitate the opportunities to build relationships and to get to know people just from physical proximity. Um, the same is true in business school, whether it's because you're all living in, you know, around the same place or just because, you know, uh, you're spending 10 or 12 hours a day together, um, you're spending time in study rooms together and 
in addition to obviously all the other places where you build relationships, it's, I think it's in a lot of those moments when you do get to know your classmates and you get to hear their stories and um, you get to know them um, for more than just what they're recruiting for or what their name tag, you know, kind of says. Absolutely. I mean, it's when I was looking at my other options and offers that ended up coming down the pipeline, you know, the idea of traversing across New York to go have a meeting, you know, to do a homework group, that didn't appeal to me. You know, the idea that I could literally go downstairs and be able to, you know, catch up with people, whether that's for fun or for actual schoolwork or for working on a case or something. It just, it makes a big difference. And I think it's a big reason why people here at Booth love Booth. It's like, we don't have to leave to have fun. We're in a great city and we literally all live next to each other. So it's kind of like college all over again. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, So just, I have to know when you first visited Booth, did you visit in a time of warm weather or did you visit in a time of winter or something that looked like winter? So what I'll say is when I came to interview, it was pretty chilly. It was February. It was the week or two after the polar vortex. So everyone was like, it, it doesn't happen that often. It never happens. And I was like, uh, 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 get a call. I don't think y'all are telling the truth. But what I will say is when I came and I came very quickly, I was here for like a day and a half. When I came back for our first day, which is our acceptance weekend, it was actually a wild week and it was April. I came in on a Thursday night it was, or Wednesday night, it was like 75 and beautiful. I'm walking down Michigan Avenue on Thursday, telling my mom how pretty it is outside. All of a sudden it starts to dip. So Friday, it's like, okay, this is really nice. Like, but it's also 60 degrees now. I have a jacket on. Um, the next day, snow, full snowstorm, like 30 degrees snowing. And the next day it's like 45 and sunny. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get but it was definitely an excellent representation of what Chicago is as a city, weather-wise. So two things. Number one, the fact that you loved it so much, even in some of the most challenging of weathers, leads me to believe that like it was definitely the right place for you. Um, but number two, <laughs> uh, having grown up in upstate New York, you're, what you're describing to me is a run-of-the-mill April. So, you know, just yeah. uh, it, that's just kind of how it is. Although it, I will admit it is a little bit, is a little bit wacky. So uh, yeah, look, coming from the South, it, it, this is the most yeah. jacket appreciation I've ever had in my life. So <laughs> you always got to have a jacket. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. So, you know, you're in your time at Booth, you're obviously super busy. You have plenty of things that have got going on, but amidst everything that you have going on amidst recruiting, amidst all the student activities you're doing, um, you decide to start MBA, the blog. So talk to me a little bit about that. Um, what is it, first of all, and what's the story behind it? Yeah, so MBA the blog really started out as a personal blog. I knew that the time would be fleeting. I have a terrible memory. I love to write. And I was like, you know what? I really want to stay true to what I came here to do, right? A lot of people come into business school and it's kind of this herd mentality. And, you know, you're kind of pushed to do things that you may not want to do in terms of like literally your career, right? You see other people talking about how much they may make in this specific career, you know, going through this recruiting process together. And I didn't have a serious fear that I would sway from what I came to do, even though, you know, I, <laughs> I'm going down a path that I did not expect to go down um, upon entering business school, but I wanted a place where I could write and reflect um, and, and have something to look back at. And so MBA, the blog was birthed out of this one for me to just write my own stories. And now it's really become a place for, you know, amazing conversations and a place to build community 
um, with my classmates, with our alumni, and you know, with prospective students or people in general. So it's been really, really awesome. That's great. And I love what you said too about two things. Number one, staying true to yourself and, and making time for the things that you want to do. I'm a little bit biased, you know, towards that kind of mentality because that's the same reason why I started MBA school, you know, when when I was in when I was in business school. So I think it's totally true and I think it's totally awesome. And I think the other thing too is is that all of the things that you can normally do in business school in terms of club activities, in terms of trips, in terms of leadership opportunities, I think those are all really great. And I think people should absolutely explore them. But I'm also, again, biased. But I also think that there's a lot of opportunity in creating your own thing and, and finding your yeah. own kind of unique uh, passion project or side project or creative outlet. Uh, because uh, not every, not all of those positions or things are are always uniquely aligned to you. And so I love that uh, you were able to find, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I was at Vanderbilt, I, I ran everything. Mm -hmm. I ran everything. I, I stood up so many organizations and initiatives and, you know, left a mark, but I wanted to have something that was really for me. And so when I realized this was actually becoming a thing that NBA, the blog was like actually a home for our stories and people were really enjoying it. And that commitment and responsibility, I chose not to hold any leadership positions at Booth, um, despite people begging me to run for student government president and begging me to run XYZ organization. Um, for me, I knew that I wanted to have a space where I could be a leader in my own right. Um, and, and I think it's been much more successful than I could have imagined. That's great. And I would love to dig in a little bit. So I know you've built organizations before you've been in student government, but I, you know, building a blog or building a media uh, platform, you know, what's that experience like? What's it been like to build something from scratch and to also build something that is truly uniquely your own? Yeah. I mean, I've had smaller blogs in the past and this one is different because it's, it's a place where thousands of people are coming to from around the world, right? So the question is, you know, how much do I want to personally invest in it? Do I invest? How much time do I invest? Um, do I invest in the platform? <laughs> you know, how do I make this a place where people find value? And to me, that's everything from, you know, the content to the layout to, you know, how I share it and on what platforms I share it on. So it's really been a learning process for me because as I'm sure you know, people don't read the written word um, very much anymore. You know, We look for very quick information, whether that's on Twitter or glancing over a news article, but people have a hard time really sitting down to focus. So to have someone really come to the blog like you do and I do and have people read, read a story, um, learn something is really valuable. So figuring out what works, what do people actually want to read? And then how can I expand my content so that more people find value and are able to find the blog? It's a process because it kind of, it is a baby business without any money on my end, but it is a baby business, you know, and it's part of my personal brand now. So, yeah, yeah. no, totally, totally. And I mean, I also just presume that you probably had a decent starting place in the sense of given the old world that you used to work in, right. In terms of working in, you know, the media and entertainment industry and getting a sense of what, uh, you know, because that is very much a media and content business, right? In terms of yep. um, attention, you know, you're competing for attention and you're, you know, the, the attention is going to um, be given to you when you have a good product, right? And part of having a good product yep. is making it interesting and making it compelling and being able to grab Absolutely. someone. Absolutely. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it's all design and storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. That That's what our generation cares about. And what's crazy to me is, you know, when I catch up with somebody from any part of my life, right? Whether that's my childhood or my past life at Turner Sports or from Vanderbilt, and people say, hey, I read this article and I loved this specific story, or like, I think about this differently now. And to me, that's so valuable because it's not just, you know, people that are listening to this that may be, you know, looking to join an MBA program. It's people that just want to look at inspirational stories or look at how their path may be similar to someone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just important to have those perspectives. Absolutely. So you've been doing this for a while now. I would love to know, I know this has been a learning process for you. So what are some of the things you've learned about this? Well, (laughs) a lot of the people that I interview, of course, are my friends, right? Sure. And so I sit and I take this opportunity to get to know, know them better because sometimes the people that you're closest with, you really don't actually know their stories because you don't may not meet them in the typical, Hey, Al, like what's your background and what did you do? And like, you sometimes those conversations are just missed with people that you just click with. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, realizing that, you know, I can't tell their stories word for word, <laughs> you know, like not everyone needs to see all, you know, 10,000 words of their story. They only need to see 3000. It's, you know, being able to understand that I can cut pieces out that I may find really awesome, but that may not be as valuable for the reader because they don't know them personally. And, you know, just being okay with people not wanting to read everything. Like every month I do book reviews because I love to read and people are always like, well, what do I read? And, you know, which one, which books should I read? And so for me, I do these very quick kind of comical book reviews and like, they don't get that many reads, which is fine, but I have to be okay with that and understand that like, if that's something that's important to me, that it's okay if I still do it. Um, And then also being okay with people giving feedback. You know, like I, I'm very welcome to feedback, but there's certain things that my classmates will reach out to me and say like, hey, I really would appreciate if you would word this this way. So for example, I recently did an article on how much I hate dual modality, dual modality learning. I hate it. It's so bad. But a big reason why we're forced to do dual modality learning is because that's the only way that international students could get their visas. So I had an international student peer say like, hey, you really need to be more clear about why this was important. And I'm like, oh, I said it. He's like, yeah, but you didn't say it enough. So like being okay with going back and making some edits so that I'm being, you know, just responsive and having some like emotional intelligence around what I'm saying, you know, at all times. So. No, I think those are yeah. all really, really thoughtful lessons. I think that two, so, so a couple of things there. So the first thing is, is that if you're universally liked by everyone, or if your things are universally liked by everyone, I would argue that, um, and this is for anyone that for whatever you're doing, you're either not pushing the envelope far enough um, or you're not being yourself. It's, it's very hard. It's, it's very hard. Like you're never, you're never going to please everyone and you can't be something right. to everyone. And so uh, if, if, if you're, if you're not, um, not like to the point where you're pissing someone off, but like your, your stuff's not going to be for everyone. And I think that's okay. And I think that's, that's a good thing in some respects, yes. because it means that you're being very clear and you're drawing a line in the sand of who you are and who you are not. Um, so that's the first right. thing. And then I think the second thing is, is to your point, um, everyone is welcome to have their opinion and as they should. And there's going to be times when you need to hear that opinion, like in this case, so that you could become more clear. 
but there's there's going to be other times when you have to be like, thank you for your opinion and move right along. Right. And I think, Absolutely. and I think for me, at least it's, that has been a challenge, both per, like for my writing, as well as just in the workplace in general of, of when, when do you, when do you know which, and it's not always a this or that, right? It can be a spectrum, but when is it, uh, okay, like I need to take this feedback because it's a very valid point and I will right. you know, go and iterate on it versus thank you, but, but I'm going to move right along. Right. Yeah. You've got to know when to flex and when it's worth flexing. And if you agree or disagree, right? Like for me, very much agree with this point. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I need to put it literally in big, bold, Sure. you know, this is why this is so important. (laughs) You know, it is incredibly important for these reasons so that my peers understand that their voices are being heard and their stories are being told. You know, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. And on this notion of uh, your classmates and storytelling. Could you maybe share some of the the favorite stories from your classmates or friends that you've uh, published and written about so far? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, sometimes some of my closest friends, I really don't know their whole stories because that's not what we're talking about. We're just having a great time and living life. So one of my girlfriends, her name is Lucine Galoyan, and she's from Armenia. And like, Lucy worked in Obama's administration. Like she fled with her family from Armenia. She's currently, you know, raising money for all of the tragedies happening there right now. But her story of, you know, loving biology when she was a kid and somehow getting to Brown and then randomly applying for, you know, this Obama internship and just where her life has led her now to banking and, and, why she's even going into banking, you know, for someone like me that doesn't understand the finance world, you know, her saying like, this is why I want to be an IB, you know, was really important for me to understand because I really didn't understand. You know, I'm just thinking everybody's in it for the money, but she's like, no, this is where I want to use my skill set, you know, at from all these different um, industries and, you know, whether it's the private sector, or the public sector learnings. So her story was amazing. You know, I've been trying really hard to start to highlight the entrepreneurs within our community. So I have a friend whose name is Stephen Pushes, and he created an application called Brink, the election guide, and he's helping people with disabilities across America vote. And it's it's unbelievable to just see some of the amazing work that my classmates are doing um, and to see them be celebrated for their stories and for the work that they're doing or will be doing in the near future. So it's pretty awesome stuff. And people, people, you don't know where they've been and where they're going, right? But if I can do a good job of telling where they've been, then hopefully it will help other people get to wherever they're supposed to be going. So That's great. And those are phenomenal stories. And what I love about it, and I think that um, everyone has a story and I think everyone's story is worth, is worth being heard. And so what I love about what you're doing is you're giving a platform for those stories to be shared and told and to, to bring them uh, on, a, on a larger stage. And so I think there's a lot of you know, value, value in that. And I also think to your point, there's a lot of learning in that as well. And I, I really, you know, there's, there's a lot of times there's the, in business school, right? Like there's the conversations that you have in terms of how the day's going or what's going on in class or, um, you know, what's going on with your homework or, or you know, like what's going on with recruiting. Uh, but there's all this other th- stuff that's there that if you don't find time to explore it, uh, you may never see it. And I think what you're able to do is to bring some of those things to light. And the nice thing is, is that 
um, it sounds like you were having some of these conversations anyway. And so you were at least getting value in that respect. Uh, it's just that now you're giving a chance for other people to, to hear that. And one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast, and I joke from time to time, is that this podcast for me is basically just all of my G chats, text messages, and uh, uh, Instagram like conversations, but just yeah. in a in, in a in a podcast style form. But part of the reason why is because uh, I feel the same way. Like I, there's a lot of people whose stories like yours who I want others to hear, and so it, it, media can be a beautiful way to kind of bring those stories to light. Yeah, and it, it's really. It's so, it brings me so much joy when people, you know, that I've written about tell me who reached out to them mm -hmm. and what yeah. connections it made for them. And, mm -hmm. you know, are people reaching out to me saying, I didn't know this about this person. And I just had to, you know, reach out and it made me change my perspective. Yeah. And you just, you never know whose story may change somebody else's life. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, Morgan, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and for sharing a little bit more about your journey to Booth and MBA, the, the blog. Um, if people want to learn more, if people want to hear some of these stories of your friends and your classmates, uh, where should they go? Go to mbatheblog.com. It is live. And, you know, check out the stories, whether it's, you know, you're looking for guidance on how to interview, if you're looking for stories on what Booth students do, who we are, um, or if you're looking for a great book to read, check it out. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.